Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's uh, Monday, Monday afternoon. Let me take a look at the Parsha. Um, so always have a lot to do, so I see if I can do this. Now this is being uh, sponsored by Ellie Sheva Sachs, who uh, I do not know. I understand is uh, new in town, if I understand correctly. And a mutual friend told me this is um, being dedicated, that her father should have a for Shalema. And so I, uh, I certainly uh, do wish that. Uh, Parsha's Vayakel Pakude is a double Parsha. My Bar Mitzvah Parsha is uh, Vayakel. Jeffrey Cohn is is a Pakude. Now, um, in you, it, we have of course the famous story of the building in the Mishkan and the you know the let's put it this way all the instructions are given in Truma Tzaba and then the instructions are executed in Vayakel Pakude, and basically in Vayakel actually then Pakude is like an accounting and a putting together of it. <coughs> uh, there's some interesting <coughs> insights because the Torah is dealing here, as we know, <coughs> with the first uh, Magbit in history, first, uh, what shall I say, fundraising campaign, except, of course, famously, there was <laughs> no fundraising campaign. As soon as Moshe said, we need money for the Mishkan, as we all know, everybody gave, came and gave a lot of money, that they said, stop contributing. As I say every year, Rabbi Neuberger wanted to erase that puzzle. <laughs> Stop donating. Yeah, that's the last time in Jewish history you'll ever hear that. No yeshiva or institution is going to say, Stop giving. Okay? Uh, but by the but by Moshe Rabbeinu, let's put it this way. We have a budget, we have a needs, and we don't want extra money lying around. Okay? Because extra money lying around is the devil's handiwork. <laughs> and indeed... You know, I've said earlier, you know anyway, the people Taka said, was there extra money and what happened to it? And where's Moshe Rabbeinu using this? And you know, Moshe ran out with the money. And so it's a big problem that he had. So it's kind of interesting that you don't want extra, you want the right amount. Um, you know, that that itself is just kind of interesting. Now it says, <clears throat> I find that the Sforno has some very interesting insights here. And it says at the beginning, they should bring uh, So you should bring Ace Trumas. Now, ordinarily you say like this, Trumas Hashem refers to, you know, the money you're going to cough up for the Mishkan. That's okay with me. But on the other hand, it's a funny expression. And he says, <coughs> this foreigner who always has a fine sense for these, <coughs> you know, uh, uh, Hebraisms, he says, Eistrumas Hashem means like this. When you bring the Machsa Shekel, bring some money for the Mishkan also. In which case, you have a fascinating shot over here. You understand? In other words, Kol Nadiv Libo, anybody wants to kick in money for the Mishkan, which was totally voluntary. Nobody had to give a thing. Yav Eistrumas Hashem. Bring the extra money, the voluntary money, when you when you bring your 
your non-voluntary contribution. <clears throat> because the Maksa Shekel is non-voluntary. Correct? Just have Parshish Kolim. We're in the time of year which Mashmi Malash Kolim. To give Maksa Shekel is a tax of a certain type. You have to give it. You can't get out of it. Uh, you're not supposed to want to get it. It's one of the tiring misses. So when you bring that, then you bring the extra money. So what does this mean? It's, it's interesting. Don't give money to the Mishkan and avoid your Maksa Shekel. First comes your obligations. Then comes the extras. That's a big Musr Haskell in life. You know what I mean, right? You have your obligations. You know, pay those first. So, uh, to use modern terminology, first take care of your tuition. First take care of your, uh, you know, your synagogue dues, if that's what it is, whatever it is. Then you give for high-profile causes. Don't be like the people that say, I give for high-profile causes, but my own, um, you know, uh, ob- obligatory stuff, uh, I leave behind. They're the last on the totem pole. First you take care of what you have to. And then if you have any money extra left over, or any time left over, then you take care of that. I know a lot of people, and so do you, to use it in a non-monetary way. He or she, they're always willing to, uh, it's a big problem, always willing to volunteer for organizations and give their time for worthy cause, all the rest of it. But they don't mind to store it home. Okay? Uh, let's put it this way. The father, to take one uh, one parent, First, you got to take care, you know, of your own family. Uh, don't go out and join a cause if your kids need somebody at home to do homework with them. You understand? Uh, and same thing with the mother in her way. You got to get the priority straight. And uh, we have a problem with this because, you know, when you jo- when you do an organization, you want to join, so then you get a sipika nefesh out of it. You just take a d- daily family chores parenting chores and others, you may not possibly get a sibak and never out of it. Don't matter. First ace through Hashem. First take care of the Masa Shekel. Then once you got that, then you can give it to the Mishkan and say this part was donated by me or something like that. Uh it's a matter of getting priority straight. I think that's what the uh that's what the Swarn was indicating over here. Right? That that's that's what he's trying to get across. Uh as he puts it over here, uh Bring it with the stuff that's attacked, not uh, voluntary. He And that's your machsa shekel. Uh, and once you do that, then you do the other thing also. So it's like a person saying, I'm going to skip davening, but I'm going to go and do this giant mitzvah or something like that. First take care of davening. You know what I'm saying? First take care of your obligations. And then add on top of it. Because the Torah is not there as much as 613 suggestions. There's 613 obligations. First, you carry your obligations. Then, you have your time, you do the extra. Okay? Then the extra. What would have happened if somebody said, I'm going to give money to the Mishkan, I'm not giving Machsah Shekel? Suppose you had a poor person. Now, we're told that nobody in Israel was poor at that time because they left Egypt with a lot of money. Although, there could be complications with that, but I'll leave that aside. But what if somebody wouldn't have had a lot of money? And so Maksa Shekel, you know, was not easy to do. Uh, and then, you know, uh, what do you call it? And then came the Mishkan project. He said, well, the heck with the Maksa Shekel. I'll do that next year. This year I want to give money for the Mishkan project. That's the wrong thing to do. First you take care of your Mitzvah you know what I mean? 
Gorohamitsubosa. First take care of what you have to do. And then you can take care of Ana Mitsubosa. Uh, like I said, that's a rule in life. Uh, and a lot of people will devote time and projects to things that are not essential, and they skip the essentials. Uh, and then he goes on to say, and again, along these lines, though, uh, since we're talking about a Magbit, a fundraising campaign, uh, Moshe knew, it seems, that, uh, how should I put it? When you have fundraising campaigns, it can be the source of marital discord. Because what if he wants to give a lot of money for a cause, or she does, and they don't consult with the others? Tzedakah is great as long as it has a shalom bias. Uh, again, you've got to take care of the basics first, and then you do the extra icing on the cake. Don't do the icing and skip the cake, right? So if you have a situation in which she wants to give a lot of money for this and this cause, and he doesn't agree for something like that, which happens, you got to work that out. Don't just go unilateral. Because when somebody does unilateral, it's actually the eats of her at work. Why? You gave money for this cause, and now you're going to have a fight at home. You see? And that's how the Sforno I see over here, very interestingly to me, translates as if I have, uh, it's, uh, this funny Pusik, Vayavohuanashim At the beginning of a, is it Shani, I guess? Right? Which, how do you translate that? Vayavohuanashim Alhanashim, that the men came together with the women. Oh, that's a funny Lushan. Vayavohu Anoshim Alhanoshim. Okay? That's a funny Lushan. And, uh, and, and what does it mean? And again, this Forno, just very interesting, he must have had a lot of practical experience in life. He says, The women showed up because it says that they were showered with Nadavas. So, the Moshe Rabbeinu had to say stop. So, here comes the interesting question. Who showered the, the, the project with Nadavas. Was it the men or was it the women? Now, what do you think? Okay, what do you think? <laughs> they, they, they're being told there's going to be a place for Ashrashrashrina, there's going to be good luck, all the rest of it. The women were more enthusiastic about contributing than the men. I'm not saying the men didn't do it. The problem is that uh, did you get agreement from your spouse? So, um, it says Chachmanezim, and all. She gave away her jewelry. Think of the following scenario. Uh, she had her, I'm just making this up, obviously. She had her birthday. And the husband went to the trouble of uh, picking out, I don't know, a necklace, let's say, something like that. Right? Whatever. And, uh, and, yeah, and, and he really went to the trouble of getting what he thought was the right one, and so on and so forth. Uh, some husbands are like that. I'm not like that, but some are. And he's very proud of it and all the rest of it. And then she says, I'm giving it to the Mishkan. Well, I mean, uh, did he say yes? Well, he should say yes, because after all, the Mishkan is more important than me wearing it on the thing. It's not a push it. That you talk to Aaron Cohen. <laughs> you get it? He was the big marriage counselor, they say. And Aaron will be the first one to tell you don't give your jewelry away. Not in your case. Right? Or let's put it this way. If you want to give something, don't give to the Mishkan the necklace your husband bought you 
for your 30th birthday, for your 40th birthday, whatever. Because that'll make him feel bad. And, you you know, you think you gave for a higher purpose. But he says, I spent all the time and I had you in mind. And you got to work it out. You have to work it out. And therefore it says, according to Sephorno, that's why I like this because it's a very practical kind of look. Sephorno says, look, they said we're making a Mishkan, we're raising money. And people showed up like crazy and they gave a ton of money. Uh, who showed up? Well, you say, do you have men and you had women? Uh, who's wearing the jewelry? Well, the women's wearing the jewelry. It says they gave Tabas, Chumaz, Chachmanesim, all this other kind of stuff. They gave all their jewelry. Now you can understand it in the following way. They left Egypt ungushed up with, with jewelry. Uh, you know, it's possible to learn that way. Do you remember they tore off their earrings to give her the golden calf and all that? And this is the Middle East. It's not Western uh, 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 jewelry. It's Eastern jewelry, meaning if you have, you know, in the, in the old Oriental Middle Eastern culture, if a lady has 10 rings, you wear all 10 at the same time. You get it? The Western idea, which is you wear a single ring, you know, in a, in a cool way, that's a Greek, that's a Western idea. But the Eastern culture is like the Yemenite brides. If you if you got it, you flaunt it, you know what I mean? If you have 15 rose rings, you figure some way to wear 15 nose rings. And same thing with the earrings and all the rest of it. So if you you think like that, then the lady says, I guess, look, I got 20 rings. Uh, I don't mind giving two, four, five to the Mishka. I still have 10 left. <laughs> I took out of Egypt more than I can ever use. Right after all in life, how how often can you use it? So I got more than I can ever use. Let me throw some in for the Mishkan. On the other hand, it might not be like that. She might have a limited amount, especially after the golden calf. Um, all of a sudden, the jewelry became like an embarrassing subject. What happened to the ring I gave you? Or we took out of each. Well, I used it for Eglazo. Well, let's skip the subject and move to the next one. That's kind of embarrassing. But there's not so much jewelry left. And now comes the Mishkan. And it may be that he wants to contribute and she doesn't, or she wants to contribute, he doesn't. So it's if I Hanashim al Nashim that the way according to the Sforna, the way they ran the Magbit was I want the couple to come. Okay? And the couple will come, then we'll ask him, Moshe, whoever was the Gaboim, they say, Are you sure with this? You understand? In other words, it's not worth a fight. The Mishkan will get along without you, and we'll build this without your contribution. If you want a contribution, welcome aboard. We're happy, you know, to we're, we're happy to include everybody in Kali Yisrael, but first make sure that you guys are on the same page. Um, because I don't want a situation where there's a beautiful Mishkan and an ugly marriage. Right? Because the marriage itself has to be like a shtickle Mishkan, as you know. So the Svarno says, Vayavohu anashim al anashim, imhu anashim amisnadvos, bo anashim shalem lahaskim edadoa. The women came to contribute, but the husband, they dragged the husband along because they wanted to secure his haskama. So that the Gabayim uh, would accept it. Now, the Sforno is a rabbi and he's a halachist. So he's coming from a Talmudic point of view, which is, you know, so that really belongs to the husband and therefore she can't she can give away a certain amount of tzedakah what had is okay. To me, that's a little bit too... I mean, it's a cute word. It's a little bit too Talmudic, especially in the times of the um, of the Chumash and the Mishkan before the Torah was out. I think, notice me, myself, and I, my opinion is what I said before. They're talking from the psychology of the marriage relationship. And like I said, 
if you have a uh, an adove or something like that, uh, first talk it over a- at home and come to an agreement of you know what you're willing to spend the money on and, and so forth. Otherwise, a guy can come home or a lady can come home and say, I came to a thing and it was a great cause and I pledged or I gave a check for $50,000 and all that. And, and then they say, but what happened to the money we we're planning to use for this and that and the other? Well, I just decided to do it. What do you mean you decided to do it? How come you went unilateral on me? Why don't we talk this over? So here, that's my take on the uh, on this. I have a little bit, I think it's a little bit different, but uh, meaning I think it's, it's for the sake of the marriage. And that would mean, in my opinion, that um, Aaron or maybe Bitsalo, uh had to be in charge of the of the uh, uh, of the project because it says Choshe Machshavos, the Bitsal was Choshe Machshavos, and uh, I know there's a lot of different interpretations, but I would say maybe somebody says this: the Choshe Machshavos means Bitsal was a smart cookie, and he thought about the machshavas of the givers. And I don't mean it in the frumi way, which is the old-fashioned interpretation that he saw how much lishma did you have in mind. That's a good shot too, but I'm not going with that, right? I think the choshe machshavas means that the Bitzalel, uh or Aaron, who was uh, running the show, choshe machshavas, he looked into the machshavas of the givers and to see, like you say, ha'anoshimim ha'anoshim, and to see if this is a good idea, because we don't want a bunch of broken marriages, a bunch of divorces over the Mishkan. Okay? You could easily get a divorce over the Mishkan, uh, because people are people, and nobody likes when the other one just goes off, half-cocked and does whatever they want. Uh, we didn't have an agreement with this. And everything happened rather rapidly, because this is two days to close the, down the Magbit. <laughs> right? In two days or two and a half days, whatever it is, they say we're full already. We don't need any more. So people rushed. So it was a giant case of impulsiveness. Now, it was a glorious impulsiveness. And the Chazal often commented on this, that, you know, when they made the golden calf, it was an impulsiveness. They said, you know, take off the earrings and give it to me. And they all did it right on the spot. And here also, they did it right on the spot. So there's a, there is, admittedly, a glorious aspect to this spirit of giving. But there's also a downside to the spirit of giving, which is, you didn't talk it over with your family. You understand? Uh, consider well. A person has children. Uh, the children are growing up, especially in those days people got married young. You have so and so many money and jewelry. You know, the kids are figuring this will support them. They'll get it for Yerusha, something like that. And then the father says, well, I give it all away to the Mishkan. I mean, Whoa. Uh, why don't you talk to us? Why don't you tell us? Do, you, do we have a say in the matter? Or can we just go to the devil? Well, what do you complain about? I gave it to the Mishkan. You can't even complain against that. Well, I hear what he's saying, but I also know that people are people. And what's going to end up is that he's going to give a, 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 most of his money away from the Mishkan. Mishkan, I say. And the kids will end up hating the Mishkan. You see? They'll be counterproductive. Because they'll say, that's Mishkan, took away all of our money. It's a little bit like Lovin's children said about Yaakov. You know, it's all our money. And our father <coughs> was generous with our money, the money that should be coming to us. So you needed the, the idea, as you do today, 
that when you're making a contribution, which is a necessary and a wonderful thing, has to be done by Seichel, right? Has to be done with forethought. And above all, as the Sforno suggests, in my opinion, you have to think of the family unit and uh, and see if that works out. If all the ducks are in a row and everybody's in favor of this, great, wonderful. Then really, then, then, then it's great. Then everybody agrees and the family grows up and the children and the grandchildren, the great-grandchildren go up and they will walk by the Mishkan or today the synagogue or anything else and they say, see, that was given by your Zaidi or your Bubby or something like that. It was her earrings, her nose ring that made the went for the gold for that sort of business. And we had a family council and we discussed it and everybody was on board and therefore we're proud of it as opposed to the other way, which says, you know, the Mishkan, which needs money like nothing, they took all the thing, they took all the money from our, our, our bubby, and therefore we're broke, you see? And heck with the Mishkan and all that. People are like that. <coughs> if you <coughs> if you wonder, look at Pasha Pekude. As you know, the whole Pekude is that Moshe Rabbeinu has to give an accounting of how the money was spent, which means they didn't trust him. And in general, since we're talking about a, a, a rabbi and money, so there was a lot of talking, as Chazal goes to a great emphasis of saying, and they always speak about Leitzone Hador, that the scoffers of the generation. Leitzone Hador means everybody, you understand? As soon as you make accusations, if somebody's messing around with the money, I don't care what you say, you know, it, it kind of sticks in your mind. Like, talk about what Moshe did with the money. And by the way, Aaron's wife bought an extra pair of earrings, and, you know, uh, uh, Betzalel's kids look like they're doing pretty well over there. And so I mean, I think that's how people talk. I mean, Jews hawk, right? Jews hawk. Maybe it's a bad trade. Granted, it's a bad trade, but they, that's what they do. And uh, again, it's not me. It's the Chazal that say that. Listen, you know, people. Do you remember that people said um, about Moshe? Where was it? Uh, he beat to Achrei Moshe. That it says the people used to look at Moshe when he came down from the mountain or when he finished with the Mishkan and his face was shining and, you know, you think his face is shining, that's a sign of, you know, uh, holiness. Or else you can say this, sure his face is shining. The guy feels like a million bucks. He walked away with all the extra money or something like that from the Mishkan. He stashed it all the way in Swiss banks. Naturally, his face is shining. He beat to Moshe, Rab Chama Omar, Hayu Omrim, Chama Kedal Debrei Avram. Right? People would say, look how fat the neck is of Ben Amram. Meaning, this Moshe is doing pretty well. The fat neck is expression to say, you know, he, he looks very prosperous. Okay? The Chavei Omerlo. So this is one hawker to the other in the back of Shoal at the Mikvah. Chamei Kadal Debrei Amram. Check out how uh, well off the Ben Amram is. And the other guy would say to him, no, what do you want? Adam Sheshal and Malachas HaMishkan. A guy was involved in the uh, with the project in the Mishkan. You don't think some of the money kept, uh, you know, stuck to his hands? Like you say today, listen, it's a government contract. They padded it, you know. I mean, uh, <laughs> the guy sold money to so had a contract with the with with big bucks at the government. Some of it ended up here and there, and some ended up in his back pocket. Right? And Moshe, of course, was shocked at this because he actually was honest. You see, a person who steals doesn't care what people say about him. But a person who's actually honest actually does care. 
people say about him because that's that's good for why he's honest and uh, cares about his reputation, his integrity. You understand? And um, to reinforce this, to reinforce this, and this is my particular interpretation, which I think is correct. To reinforce this, we have a situation in which um, they raised a ton of money. People said Moshe, you know, took graft and held some of it for himself. Uh, and since the money was coming was so vast, so no, this is way over what they needed or something like this. It's a hamlocha, how you said, die of a hoser. They had, they had surplus. So uh, people then said like this, uh, okay, it took them three months traditionally to build the Mishkan, meaning to do the actual construction. So according to what we understand it, they started working the day after Yom Kippur, and they finished the Hanukkah time. But then it was for three months just standing there, uh, you know, uh, folded up, not being used yet. Uh, the the lotion is that the uh, where is it here in the Mishkan? Shisha Chadoshim Hay Osik by Mishkan. It's a matter of in Bakudi, which is very short. I'm Rabbi Yochanan. Shisha Chadoshim Hay Osik by Mishkan. The whole business took six months. Shlosha Chadoshim Ushlosha Asu. It took him three months until Hanukkah to actually construct it. And then, <coughs> after it was constructed, it was sort of uh, wrapped away for another three months until Hashem said on Rosh Chodesh Nisan, okay, let's go and do it. And that means, if you're a regular Jew, especially two hawkers in the back of the base manager, as they say, so okay, they uh, raised a ton of money, they actually constructed it. It's supposed to be that the Shechina will come down. Right? So the confirmation of the integrity of the process should be that you actually see the Shechina. So notice, give me your money, give me a lot of money, I'm going to build a building, and don't worry, it's not Stamazaya building, it's going to be Shechanti Besocham. So you're going to see the Shechina there. And person, well, okay, if the Shechina shows up, all right. And then, after they construct it, they don't do anything for three months. Now, in retrospect, you and I know that Hashem was waiting for the month of Nisan. According to the tradition, he wanted to wait for the month of Yisrael was born, etc., etc. You know, Kodesh Baruch Hu Neskam L'Hamed Mishka B'Chodesh Nisan. Okay, Shenolibo Yitzchavinu. Fine. But if you're living at that time, so they raised the money, they constructed the Mishkan, and now nothing is happening. It's all Kupal. You know, Kiplu is they fold it. It's all folded up. Uh, hey, what happened to, to the project? Well, Moshe is not telling you. Okay? Well, that's interesting. They built the whole Mishkan, and nothing is happening with it, because it's a bluff. Uh, you know, do you, uh, uh, I mean, again, this is not my language. What you really believe, that this is going to produce a Shechina situation? It's a money-making scheme of Moses. You know, the guy's on the ball. He didn't take any gold and silver out in Egypt. He let us do all the work. Now he's raising money for, quote-unquote, a Mishkan, a Mishkan uh, which is basically his retirement fund. And, you know, it ain't going to go anywhere. And so Moshe was going through excruciating agony for three months because all the late Sonny Hador were saying that he was full of baloney and he's keeping the money for himself. Um, until finally... 
when the time comes to set it up and the Shekhinah shows up, okay. Now Rashi brings a medrash that, you know, Moshe magically put together the Mishkan, nobody else could do it. It's all <clears throat> stories around the same idea, which is to confirm that Moshe wasn't a crook and that he, you know, raised, uh, uh, put the money together properly and that Hashem approved because here's the Shekhinah. You see? Um, okay. Um, look how tough it is to run a public project for the Jews. Nowadays, people are cynical. You know, if they give them a show of money, they figure, you know, <laughs> you know, 10% will go to the institution or something like that. I'm collecting from here, you know. Um, at that time, this was the beginning of the very process of raising money. Anyway, I have to go. So, once again, I want to thank uh, Eli Sheba Sachs for sponsoring. We wish we're foolish name for our father. And with that, I wish you all a good week. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.